Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we are continuing our series reviewing movies starring African Americans or directed by African Americans. And today's movie is The Help, which stars a ton of famous ladies in Hollywood. Viola Davis, Octavia Spencer, Emma Stone, Jessica Chastain, and that's not even the whole cast. Bryce Dallas Howard is in it. Um, Lots of people are in this movie. Allison Janney. Tons of people in The Help. So we'll be talking about The Help coming up here today. And first for news, we don't really have too many movie news items. As you probably know, movies right now, nothing's really coming out because of coronavirus. So news has been few and far between for movies and things like that. Um, But Katie, you did say that you have been reading and learning some things during this time when we don't have as much entertainment available. Yes, I so this is kind of combining with my recommendations, but our work, um, someone presented the opportunity to do this program that's sponsored by the YWCA, and not to be confused with the YMCA. Mm-hmm. Um, and the YWCA, just so if people don't know, it's an organization, they're completely dedicated to eliminating racism, empowering women and promoting peace, justice, freedom and dignity for all. Um, so they have a chapter here in Dayton. And then they have I know in Cleveland, Columbus. Um, but anyway, Anyway, this uh, challenge itself, it's called the 21 Day Racial Equity and Social Justice Challenge. And so a couple colleagues and I are doing it. And I thought it was fascinating. So I wanted to recommend it because it's all virtual. Okay. It's things like it'll tell you, and I love to, it gives you um, different options. So it's like if you have five minutes, 10 minutes, or 20 minutes, or sometimes it's like two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. Okay. But you can pick which options you want for that day, or you can do multiple ones. But like one day it was uh, Trevor Noah, it was a guest. She had a doctorate. I do, I am blinking on her name. Um, she was wonderful though. I'm not saying she wasn't important. I've just watched a lot of these videos so <laughs> yes. far. Um, but she was fantastic and it was like a 10 minute video and she was talking about bias and the difference between implicit bias and mm-hmm. how people are naturally biased and and it's across all races and stuff. But I have learned so much and then like the two minute things, it can be something like there'll be an infographic and you just read it. Like you just okay. read it as it takes as much time as it takes you to read it. But they give you like a reflection journal so you can write down what you learned. And um, the most eye-opening thing for me, so there was one page that you could print out. I printed it. You didn't have to, but um, it was about privilege. Like, how are you privileged? And so many things, I it had never even occurred to me. I knew I was privileged because I was white. I knew I was privileged because like I have um, parents that are living. That was mm-hmm. one of them. Um, but it was fascinating too to also see you know, we think women today have so much more power than they used to. But at the same time, that was an example on the sheet. It was like, if you're a male, that was a blank for privilege. So like they were saying, you're already. So if you're a white male, no offense, Jared. Yes. And all the most of the men in my family, uh, (laughs) you're already leaps and bounds. Like you're ahead of almost pretty much everybody in the Mm -hmm. world, Um, at least in this part of the world. So that was fascinating. And then I didn't even think about, so anti-racism, that term term is being thrown around a lot right now. Um, And it sounds negative because we hear the word anti. And so I wrote down the definition also so I would remember it, but um, so it's the practice of identifying, challenging, and changing the values, structures, and behaviors that perpetuate systemic racism. So it's actually a positive thing. Okay. So when they say, like, you want to be an anti-racist, that's positive. Like, that's saying you you not only want to, like, 
acknowledge that racism exists, but you want to be part of the change. Okay. So that was really cool. And then, um, like they're saying ways to do this too. And I say this because we, you and I don't know the demographic for our podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that I would definitely guess that we have, uh, people who like movies listen to the podcast, (laughs) but we don't know anything like more women than men or if it's a certain race or, or not. But, um, I just wanted to point this out in case we do have quite a few uh, Caucasian listeners. But so they're saying like things that you can do is acknowledge and understand your privilege, work to change internalized racism. So like if you see things that are if you acknowledge things that are inside you, even if you think you don't do it, like crossing a street when you see someone of a different race or um, I don't know, like you see police cars and you automatically think, that a person of a certain race is behind whatever's mm-hmm. going on over there. That's internal racism. Um, and then interrupt racism when you see it. So that can be uncomfortable. And they even say like, if danger is involved, please think twice. Like if, if it's something where like guns are out, yeah. you don't need to run in the middle of that and be like, Hey, 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 let's talk about racism. But <laughs> definitely if you're in a conversation, like even if it's uncomfortable at work or if you're at school, um, if you're in a church, these things happen and it is good to acknowledge what's going on. So I really wanted to recognize it. I've learned a lot more than that, but I really wanted to advertise that program because it's super easy. Um, you can also go back different days. So if you okay. like say today is the first time you're hearing about it, or if people hear about this in like four or five days after we've recorded, you can actually go back and, um, they're not tracking you or anything. It's not something like you're holding yourself personally accountable, but I think it's fascinating. It's a really easy thing to do. Um, and I love the way they're doing it as well. And it's very like virtual friendly because it's all online. And then I also wanted to tell you, I got my, um, all of my books now. So the five books that I ordered specifically on race, um, and stuff going on in the U S I have them all now. So I am going to start slowly, but surely, but I definitely think they're going to be heavy subjects. So I don't plan to read them all at the same time. Like I think I'm going to be read one and then take a break. Um, but I'll keep you posted. So I'm, okay. I'm sorry to take so much time. Just wanted you guys to know <laughs> about that. Nice. Very nice. Um, so with that, we'll kind of move into our recommendations real fast. So that was your obviously your big recommendation um, yes. is that I know you also started reading Becoming by Michelle Obama. I did. It's finally happening. I've only read one chapter. Okay. I love it. So next week, I'm hoping to be done by the next time we record. Nice. So are you I'll going you to know. watch? Have you watched the documentary on Netflix? Yet, no. or are you waiting? OK, I'm waiting. I okay. intentionally am waiting because I knew I was going to read it soon. OK, uh, yes. So that's nice. It. One of the uh, hottest library hold books in recent oh, history. Is it? I feel oh like it gosh. is. It's always actually Arjun. We talk yes. about Arjun as much as we talk about Tom Hanks now, but um, Arjun <laughs> actually read it before me. I I'm so mad at myself because he got it for me for Christmas. Okay. I think I think two years. I think the year it came out, he got it for me. Okay. And uh, he he got it from the library and read it before I even <laughs> have read my own <laughs> own copy that I have. But oh well, my bad. Oh well. Um, yeah. My recommendations. I don't really have anything super important to recommend. I'm still watching some top chef so if you want if you want a light show to watch top (laughs) chef is it um this last episode they had to make breakfast on a stick so in seattle's uh public market which was kind of interesting so this whole season that i'm watching is based in seattle so i've never been to seattle i've always wanted to go it's a place where i've wanted to vacation so um, it's one of my favorite places i've 
ever been. Hopefully post-COVID, I can have make mm-hmm. that happen. But this whole season's based in Seattle. And it is, I should mention, I'm watching the 10th season. So this was filmed 10 years ago before coronavirus oh, wow. was a thing, probably <laughs> somewhere around there. So that 2010-9 area. So yeah, it's good though. If you, like, if you like cooking shows, like I said last week, if you like cooking shows that focus more on the cooking rather than the drama of the contestants, then Top Chef is probably your show because they do focus on the cooking a lot with a Excellent. little drama thrown in because every reality show needs some drama but well it's more on the cooking which i like so and i did have uh jared i had one correction yes. this is a semi-correction from last week so i've been posting on social media about our movies that we're covering i said this was part of a three-part series but i was only going by the weeks that were left in the month um but also jared and i always we typically whenever you hear an episode we recorded it a week prior or like five days prior yeah, or what yep. have you um and i don't always post on social media the same day it comes out either so anyway i just say that because we weren't intentionally trying to do like less time for black community focused movies um it was mainly based on the month but i was incorrect so we're at least doing four and we might do more so just to review that we're doing just mercy defies bloods the help and selma is our next one spoiler alert but you'll hear it by the end of the episode um yes. but just mercy and defy bloods are both available now on the podcast so if you do want to listen to those those were both enjoyable for sure. And Just Mercy, uh, this will be coming out on the last day of June. So Just Mercy is free through the end Excellent. of the day today. Also, Selma <laughs> is free through the end of the day today. So if you would like to watch those, you can check those out. They might extend that too. I'm not sure mm-hmm. um, because I think both are getting a lot of good traction right now. So, And Selma is directed by Ava DuVernay, who has done A Wrinkle yes. in Time. She did 13th on Netflix. Um, that was actually what I think that was her first movie um, or maybe her second was Selma. So that's wow. a really, really good movie. Uh, So we'll be reviewing that coming up next week on the Silver Screen Podcast. But with that, we'll move into The Help, which came out in August 10th of 2011. Did you see this movie in theaters? Can you remember? I did. Yes, I read. I remember the hype about the book. Yes. And I'm pretty much someone who consistently will read a book before seeing the movie or the TV show, just like Becoming. So I remember I read the book. I read the book like within, I think, two or three days. I loved it so much and then went to theaters to see it. Nice. I also saw it in theaters when it came out. So it made a lot of money box office wise, which we'll get to in a minute. But we both saw it in theaters and then watched it again this past week. And it's on Netflix right now, which we will mention. Netflix has it up. Uh, Knowing Netflix, they'll probably take it off after today (laughs) because they always do that. When we talk about a movie, they're like, it's going off of there in a week. So, But right now, the help is on. It just hit Netflix. So I don't think they'll take it off anytime soon. But it is on there right now if you would like to watch the help. It's rated PG-13. It's two hours and 26 minutes. IMDb is a 8.1 out of 10, so pretty high-scoring movie. Rotten Tomatoes, critics 76%, audience 89%, and then box office-wise, $169 million domestically in 2011 money, which is pretty good, and then worldwide, $216 million. Also, I think I read it was made for a $25 million budget, yes, so you're right. I it definitely, definitely made its money back and a lot more. Um, and crazy, uh, granted, a lot of these actresses were starting out their careers when this movie came out, but today, you could, I don't think you could get all six of these actresses for 25 million they are demanding (laughs) way more than that now so as they should because they're all great actresses so if you don't know the synopsis is an inspiring author during the civil rights movement of the 1960s decides to write a book detailing the african-american maid's point of view on the white families for which they work and the hardships they go through on a daily basis so emma stone plays the writer her name is skeeter and then viola davis and octavia spencer they are the two main maids that are focused on throughout the movie 
movie. And there's some other characters throughout too, other white women that think they're better than thou and, um, you know, are racist and all kinds of stuff happening in this Mm -hmm. film. So some critics reviews. First, we have David Sexton of the London Evening Standard. This is not really a positive review. He says it tackles a challenging, inflammatory subject in the corniest, safest way possible. Yeah. Yeah. These, I was, I was going to say a lot of the, the critics were kind of all over the board here. Um, but I am happy. I know you and I are going to focus a lot on who made this and the perspective Mm -hmm. and stuff in the story and our likes and dislikes. But, uh, it seemed to me reading the critics scores that are comments that the critics were ahead of the curve. They realized that this movie probably was playing it safe and maybe not telling it from the best perspective. And I'm um, think about Just Mercy, which we watched two weeks ago and reviewed, and how that mm-hmm. is also about a true life story. Um, and that, it, it also rated PG-13, but I felt like that movie was just more serious than The Help. And its Definitely. tone, and its consequences, and its impact, all that stuff. Um, I just thought, and they're Definitely. a little different stories, obviously, but if you're trying to tell a true story, I think that one just... I don't know. It doesn't play it as safe as uh, The Help does, for sure. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, next up, we have Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times, very famous movie reviewer, who says, I was drawn into the characters and quite moved, even though all the while I was aware it was a feel-good fable, a story that deals with pain but doesn't care to be that painful. Again, another one saying it just really doesn't go in depth on the struggles of the African-Americans at that time. There are a few scenes involving that, but overall... It doesn't really make you, you know, it doesn't really hit as hard as Just Mercy does. And the the Five Bloods, which is more of a fictional story based on a real life, you know, event that happened also was definitely more um, hard hitting in its portrayal of African-Americans, too, and, and taking that just a little bit more seriously. So... Next up, we have Leslie Morris of the Boston Globe, who says the help comes out on the losing end of the movie's social history. The best film roles three black women will have all year require one of them to queen Ron Howard's daughter's house. It's self-reinforcing movie imagery. And he is one of only two, when this movie came out, top uh, movie critics who are black on Rotten Tomatoes. So definitely need to get some more diversity in the movie critic game. Yeah. Also, that's one been one complaint of Oscar voters and the Oscar voting base for the past few years, too, is it's made up of a bunch of old white people. So they've been trying sure to is. diversify that as well to get more diverse movies and diverse filmmakers and things nominated, which I know they have been expanding it and getting more younger filmmakers and actors and actresses in there and things like that. So you've seen that a little bit, especially with Parasite winning. I think this past year that really showed a shift in terms of we accept the foreign films. We know they have interesting stories to tell. Um, you know, these are, these are great movies, things like that. So, yes. and then finally we have Leonard Malton of IndieWire, another very famous movie critic who says, if you lived through that time, it's incredible to contemplate how much has changed and how much hasn't over the years, not only in race relations, but in attitudes towards women. So that is a big point that is discussed in this movie, attitudes towards women, especially with Jessica Chastain's character, being that she is married in the movie. Um, Her and uh, she, you know, that character has some things play out that you're like, you should probably talk to your husband about that. Like, you should probably have an equal relationship. And you can tell that it's definitely not an equal Mm -hmm. relationship. And then Octavia Spencer's character as well. Her husband is abusive in the film. So that also is discussed throughout 
the movie too. So this is directed by Tate Taylor, who is a white male, um, which is not the, probably the best directing choice for this movie, given the circumstances. However, he was born in Jackson, Mississippi in 1969. So he did grow up where the movie is set and, you know, racism was still a thing in the seventies as well. And is still Mm -hmm. a thing today. So definitely, I'm sure he experienced some of the things that are portrayed in this movie. So even though he is a white director directing a movie that's supposed to be more about the African-American experience, I think um, that the fact that he grew up there adds a, he has a little bit more of an interesting perspective as, in terms of somebody that maybe would just come from the outside. You know, growing up there, I think, right. gives him some some credibility. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely suspected that because of when he was born and where he was born, that this probably meant more to him than just a paycheck. I don't mm-hmm. I think he could have found a lot of projects to work on. I don't think this was the only one available. Um, and he well, And also, I say that because he has multiple directing credits and he has 21 acting credits like he he already had a name for himself. I don't think mm-hmm. he needed this to be the stepping stone to fame. Um, so I'm just saying that because I have a feeling this project meant something to him and that's why he signed on to do it. Yeah, he's also directed The Girl on the Train, which that movie is with Emily Blunt, um, and then Ma, which starred Octavia Spencer. So, and him and Octavia obviously worked together on this, and then also on Ma. So, I always get The Girl on the Train confused with Gone Girl as well. I don't know if you mix those up, but I I do. (laughs) I totally understand why you do, but I would say, like, I enjoy girl on the train a little more because there is something that is so violent in gone girl that i can't even watch the scene which i loved it i own the movie but it was so horrifying that i'm like i can't watch also didn't we see the girl on the train together it came out in 2016 i think we did i think we did right yeah we've seen so many and i think i read the book too i can't remember that movie was kind of unforgettable in a sense um (laughs) not that we're doing a review on the girl on the train but i just don't remember much from that movie except that it had emily blunt in it so (laughs) but he directed it um so with that we'll take a quick break here on the silver screen podcast and then we'll come back and talk about the cast and our likes and dislikes for the help And we're back here on the Silver Screen Podcast talking about The Help, which came out in 2011 and is on Netflix right now. And it is now time to go through the stacked cast for this movie. Jared, I am going to need a crush alert for the entire cast. Thank you so much. Um, I just wanted to throw those in there because I love each and every person. And if we held for a crush alert on all of them, it would be a three hour long podcast. So first up, I did focus on the top four, but I'll fly through these. We have Viola Davis. She plays Abilene Clark. Viola is a phenomenal actress. She is best known for Fences, Doubt, and the show How to Get Away with Murder. She has been nominated for three acting Oscars already, and she won a Best Supporting Actress Oscar in 2017 for Fences, which is based on a play, mm-hmm. all my theater friends. Um, she has six upcoming projects, Jared. Six. But I am the one (laughs) the one that I'm most excited for, though. It's an untitled Harriet Tubman project. So it's been announced, but Mm. it has no date or information or anything. But I will absolutely go see that. I can guarantee you. And we just had a Harriet Tubman movie come out this past year. So interesting that Harriet Tubman, after not really getting talked about Mm -hmm. for many, many years, is going to have two projects based on her life coming out pretty soon. After one after the other. Yeah. I wondered exactly that. So (laughs) um, next up, we have Octavia Spencer. She plays Minnie Jackson. Um, Again, I won't dwell on it, but we have met. I consider us friends. Um, 
but we're not friends. But in my brain, we are friends because of the conversation we shared. Anyway, she is best known for Hidden Figures, Fruitvale Station with my man, Michael B. Jordan, and The Shape of Water. She's been nominated for Best Supporting Actress Oscars three times as well. And she won for this movie, The Help, in 2012, rightly deserved. And she is currently starring as Madam C.J. Walker on the Netflix limited series Self Made, if you do want to watch that. I don't know if I should say limited series. What I mean is it's a it's a show, but it's like four episodes. That's okay. what I was trying to say. Okay. Um, but it's on Netflix right now. And she has and that was the one Jared and I talked about it in another. I believe we talked about it in another episode um, and we considered covering it. But Madam C.J. Walker was in Indiana. So we're very, very, yes. very proud of her. I grew up. I actually that is uh, a person in the black community I knew about my whole life. I'm very proud of okay. that. Where, and we have and I know, the, the Madam Walker Theater in Indianapolis yes, as well, which yes. is named after her and hosts plays and musical performances and all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. So so she was fantastic and I have I love her. Um, and then Octavia also has several upcoming projects entitled Thunder Force and the Heart. I don't okay. have more information than that, but I'm going to watch them. And then next up we have Emma Stone. She plays Skeeter Phelan. I believe that's how you say it, but she goes by Skeeter in the movie. I think I think her name is really Eugenia in the movie. Okay. Um, I always like to point out Emma and I are the same age. Exactly. We were born a month apart. Um, she is best known for La La Land, Birdman, and Easy A. And then she has been nominated for a Best Actress Oscar three times. And she won for La La Land in 2017. I think a few of you have heard me mention La La Land. It's <laughs> one of my favorite movies. Um, and she has quite a few upcoming projects. But the one I'm most excited for is Cruella which is slated currently to come out in 2021, but we will see. Thank you, COVID. Yeah, I know we got, like, I feel like a year ago, we got a picture of her in the Cruella yes. outfit, and I was like, oh, this movie is coming out soon. Nope, it's still another <laughs> no. almost a year before it will it's get here. It's going to be so, a while. Yes, yep. it will be. <laughs> and lastly, we have Jessica Chastain. Ugh, I would do like 12 crush alerts for her. She plays <laughs> Celia Foote. Jessica has been nominated for two acting Oscars for The Help and Zero Dark Thirty. She, uh, I just want to say, I, I need to say it here. We're recording this on June 25th, 2020. I am guaranteeing that she will win an Oscar in her lifetime. She is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. She's like, she's a Hollywood darling for me. And she has eight upcoming projects listed, oh Jared. Eight. <laughs> but I am most excited for her to play Tammy Wynette in a movie called George and Tammy. So stay tuned for that. And then we cannot go without mentioning the supporting cast for this movie. It's insane. Uh, this movie also includes Allison Janney, Cicely Tyson, Bryce Dallas Howard, Sissy Spacek, Chris Lowell, Anna O'Reilly, Anna Camp and Mike Vogel. Uh, and there's other people too you would recognize, but those are just like the main people. Uh, but they were all fantastic. I would have talked about all of them, but again, yes, <laughs> this isn't was, a three hour long podcast. I was also looking at Jessica Chastain's uh, filmography and the next movie she's oh, yes. supposed to be in, Ava, is directed by Tate Taylor, the same person that did oh, The Help. So good catch. They'll be realize. working again together. Yeah, I just happened to look at that. So also... My famous person meeting on this episode, as I've mentioned before, I have met Ron Howard, so I am one person removed <sighs> from Bryce Dallas Howard. I have not met her, but I have met her father, Man. so... <laughs> I guess I'm one degree of separation from Emma Stone and Jessica Chastain. I guess you are. Also, I feel like your meeting with Octavia was probably a little longer than my interaction with Ron Howard, because it True. was like we 12 had, seconds. <laughs> yeah, 
Yes, we had, I'm actually, no, I don't want to be creepy. Well, I won't say anything <laughs> about, I just met her when she was working on a film and she thought yep. I was working on the film, okay. which was wonderful. <laughs> she thought I was a DP or a production assistant, I forget okay. which one, but we shook hands. <laughs> okay. And I, I do think when I post about this, I might in the comments just tag her just so she knows in there case. But I think she was just as kind as re- in real life as you would want. She's the kind of person I'm like, you deserve every good thing that happens because you are wonderful. The movie that they were filming at that time, do you know what movie that was? Has yes, it come out it already? Yes, it was Gifted. Okay. Yes, okay. I own it. I actually, sorry, shout out to Gifted because this movie, <laughs> so Chris Evans is in it. I think we yeah. all know. <laughs> Spare us the crush alert, but I think we all know how I feel about Chris <laughs> Evans. And Ginny uh, Slate was in it, and mm-hmm. Octavia Spencer, and McKenna Grace, who is a young actress who's growing up very quickly. But uh, I was... I was working at the hotel and oh, and Lindsay Duncan, I got to meet her too. She's in about time, which is also one of my favorites. Um, But anyway, the movie is so good. It's about a young girl who is basically, she's a child prodigy. She's um, exceptional in math. And I know math isn't my favorite subject, but it's great to have women that are in STEM subjects like that. But Octavia Spencer is Chris Evans neighbor and she is helping raise the little girl. It is a wonderful movie. It was an independent film, but I highly recommend it if you can ever watch it. Good to know. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, also for those people that are like, like me, especially I'm like, I wish Chris Evans would do more things other than the Marvel movies. This is him doing a different role. So, so. he's in something right now. Cause you know, I'm his number one fan. Yep. Um, he's in something now, but it is on, I can't even think What's of what it it's on. on. Yeah. Uh, I kind of want to say AMC. I think it's AMC. It's a TV but it's, show, right? Yeah. It's becoming, becoming Jacob. Let me defending see. Jacob. I'll, I'll find, defending Jacob. I just Jacob, Googled thank it. You. Yes. Defending thank Jacob. You. So you're going to tell me where it is. And it's on Apple TV Plus. So <gasps> What? Does that mean I can watch it? You can. Yes. Oh, my word. People, get ready because you're going to be hearing about it. <laughs> or if you hate the podcast, I guess you won't be hearing about it. And it's a, it's a, it's a crime show. He plays a district yes. attorney. So, yes. This is okay. so exciting. I've got to add Evans. that to my I list. I don't know how we, we got on oh, him. But. but back to the movie The Help, which Octavia <laughs> Spencer is in. And she won an Oscar for this film. So Yes. So with that, we'll move on to our likes and dislikes. I know one of my likes personally and yours too. Like we said a couple times already throughout this episode, this cast is awesome. Um, this group of ladies that they have assembled. Um, a lot of these women, it was kind of an early movie for them in their, in their career. Emma Stone, this was an early movie in her career. Jessica Chastain, um, even Octavia. Um, she hadn't been in too much stuff before this. So um, the fact that they were able to assemble this entire cast and have them come together like they did, because looking back on this almost 10 years later, it's really crazy to see just how good of a cast this was. So I it doesn't even make sense. Like, cause I was watching it and I thought, I can't believe when this movie was made because all everyone that came on screen, I'm probably, I'm really glad Arjun still loves me because <laughs> every person that came on stage, I'd go has an Oscar now, has an Oscar now, has an Oscar now. I just <laughs> kept saying it because all of these people are now huge. Like they've made mm-hmm. so many films. They've at least been nominated. Not like an Oscar. I think we're all learning is it's not the end all be all of life, but it's, yeah. it is recognizing like this is the highest award we have currently for film. So like, that's a big deal to get that. And it opens a lot of doors for people, but yeah. the cast is amazing. And it's, it's one of those movies too, where like, there isn't a dull moment with anybody because the acting is so good that I think it heightens the movie. Like I, I really debated you and I talked about this movie and what to rate it, like what we should give the score. 
And then also what the critics said, I have my problems with how the movie was made and everything and what it represents. But as far as like the actors, I feel like all of these people made the movie way, way, way better than it could have been because the acting and how much they cared about it, too. Mm -hmm. I think you're exactly right. So and for for actresses like Octavia, who has been acting for a while and Mm -hmm. Viola, who had also been acting for a while before this, this really helped to like propel them into prominence, I would say. Um, Viola was in that movie Doubt with Meryl Streep and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, But that wasn't really a lead role. It was a supporting thing. And Octavia had been in a lot of stuff before the help that was more supporting or like one scene type deals, um, but not like a like a, you know, leading supporting role. So the fact that they, you know, that brought both of them to prominence and then Emma Stone had been an EZA before this, but that was about it, I think, for her um, before mm-hmm. the help. And that was more of a, a comedy. So this really showed people that she could be a good dramatic actress, too. So, um, yeah, really kickstarted a lot of careers for a lot of different definitely different actresses. So that's definitely one of my likes, too, is the cast. I will say, I think um, this is my second favorite movie of Viola's and Octavia's. Um, um, I think I like Viola more in Fences, just personally. Um, oh, she's, she's so, so good in it. She's so good in that. And then Octavia, I think I like more in Hidden Figures, um, just because I, yeah. I like that movie. So <laughs> I think I would agree with you. Also, okay. because I love that Hidden Figures revolves around women and math. And so, like, there's just... In space, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's so many cool things about that movie that just... I also think I like it because that has history working for it. That's a movie mm-hmm. based on real events or at least a real story that we know of whereas this one is kind of like it's loosely based on a lot of things but told from a different perspective i think hidden figures was much more you know accurate if you will so i agree with you on that yep yeah and then emma stone i think my favorite of hers is probably still la la land um she's also she's also really good in the favorite so that's another one that she's great in so Um, another like in this movie is that I know one of your likes personally, because you're a woman is that the story really does revolve around a lot of women. There's not a lot of guys in the movie. Um, one of the guys, I forget his character's name. It's the one that Emma Stone dates in the movie. I was like, where have I seen him? I think it's Paul. I was like, where have I seen him in something else? And just in case you have that same question while you watch it, he's in the Netflix show glow with, um, all of those actresses that are in that Alison Brie and Mark Maron. And yeah, he's in that show so I was like I know I've seen this guy before and he's Mm -hmm. in glow so Mm -hmm. (laughs) just had to point that out but I know for you one big thing is that the story is really focused on the women totally agree uh I don't want to dwell on it I feel like I'm talking a lot today but I just I talk a lot every day but I think (laughs) I I love that this is told this really like barely focuses on men and if it focuses on men it's primarily how they're failing not how they're thriving so I just think that that's that's really helping with the story and it I will say this in Tate Taylor's favor. I appreciate that he chose to direct a movie that is about women and their story. Yes. Also, so I don't have to do corrections corner. The actor's name is yes. Chris Lowell and his character's oh, name in the movie is Stuart. So, Oh, thank you. I would have had to do the correction. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I thought it was Paul. And Who he am plays, I? He plays Bash in Glow. So mm-hmm. that's his, he's like the, the he, Bash is like the, 
promoter guy. He's yeah. kind of behind the scenes of everything. So um, another like that um, I think we both had is that this movie is really well done. It's well acted. It's well shot. It's two and a half hours, but it moves, which is one of my likes, is that I think with the five bloods and this, the five bloods being like 15 minutes longer, I was just struggling during that movie to stay interested and the pacing was a little slow for me. Whereas this, I never felt that way. I was always, I watched it over two different sessions, but I was always interested in what was happening and it was always moving the story along and creating either a dramatic moment or an emotional moment or something like that. So it kept my interest the whole time uh, for sure. And I think watching it, I've watched it when it came out, I was 16, but now watching it again, 10 years later when I'm 26, I just feel like it, I don't know. I understood it better watching it now than I did when I was a teenager. Yeah, it's certainly relevant now. And Mm -hmm. I I feel like people should have cared before now. I I don't, I can't say more than is being said. Like it's stupid that it's taken to 2020 for us to care about this as much as we are now. But uh, I agree with you. I actually watched this in one sitting and I was the same as you. I saw it when it came out, but I was Mm -hmm. so much more engaged in it this time. Yeah. And I think that's a credit of the actors, but I do think this story, like for all that, I know we're going to mention it in the dislikes for a lot of the flack that this movie gets, um, either about accuracy or that it's fictitious or the perspective. I think people's main problem is the, the way it's being told. But to me, the fact that these movies at least are being made at least provokes some conversation, which is good. Like people need to have conversations. And this movie also, I really appreciate this movie is pretty family friendly. Like it's, Mm -hmm. you're still, you're going to have to talk to your kids about race and they do use the N word, but they use it. They use it in the more, uh, yeah. <laughs> what po- po- it's I don't not know how to say it. I'm not going to say it so I think you know what I'm saying but yeah. it's not it's not used as a slang term is what no. I'm trying to say. No. Um but I think that this is a movie that is actually friendly enough to show your kids and introduce them to race that is not going to be a racially charged movie where you see a lot of murder and gore and police mm-hmm. and and that kind of debate. So I think that that works in its favor. Also, um, we'll have two more quick likes here and then we'll move on to the dislikes because we'll probably talk a little bit more about those too. Um, another like that you had was the costuming and then also the music, uh, again, done by Thomas Newman in this movie, who's a very famous composer, does a lot of movies. Uh, the most recent one I think that we did on this show, I'm not sure, the last Thomas Newman score we did. Uh, Shawshank Redemption. Oh, that's right. He also <laughs> did the 94 version of Little Women. So, Oh, boy. But he is my absolute... <laughs> Sorry. He's my absolute favorite composer. Um, I don't have much to say, but the music was so good. It was perfect for the film. Um, and then I also love the costumes, like everything Emma Stone wore, I would wear. But what I really liked too was how much the costumes suited who it was on. Mm-hmm. So like Emma Stone, you could tell she was wearing more of like, not tomboyish, but like a working yeah. woman in the like 60s. more earth tones. Yeah. And yeah. like earth her makeup was like, very natural and all that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and more pencil skirts, whereas the other women were yep. wearing that Dior shape of like the big poofy skirts, which are gorgeous, like those A-line skirts. But uh, mm-hmm. I loved everything people wore. I will say Bryce Dallas, Hallis, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's wardrobe is my least favorite in the movie. And but her hair way, is kind I of, felt, they yeah, like tried to do it in a bob, which is kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I feel like the costuming in this movie was was truly outstanding. And I mention it for a lot of movies, but this one wowed me. Like this one was way better than the most the the more recent films that I've said I really like the costumes on. 
cool so with that do you have any other likes or should we move on to dislikes no we can move on let's okay. get let's get controversial so let's here. get controversial here one of the big controversies with this movie that would probably be a dislike is that it is directed by a white director it was written by a white writer um so definitely there's not really people of color involved behind the camera with this movie more in front of and because of that uh, two actresses that were actually in this movie have come out and said that they didn't love their experiences in this film one being viola davis and one being bryce dallas howard bryce dallas howard just spoke out about this last week actually um since this movie just hit netflix and viola uh talked about this two years ago in a new york times art interview so i'll read you her quote first basically she said almost a better question is have i ever done roles that i've regretted i have and the help is on that list but not in terms of the experience and the people involved because they were all great the friendships that i formed are ones that i'm going to have for the rest of my life i had a great experience with these other actresses who are extraordinary human beings and i could not ask for a better collaborator than tate taylor so she says, here's the reason I regretted the project. You know, I just felt that at the end of the day, that it wasn't the voices of the maids that were heard. I know Abilene. I know many. They're my grandma. They're my mom. I know that if you do a movie where the whole premise is, I want to know what it feels like to work for white people and to bring up children in 1963. I want to hear how you really feel about it. I never heard that in the course of the movie. Such a good point. I, you know, what really stood out to me? Well, first of all, when I was looking up things about mm-hmm. Viola Davis, who I love, I love her, but I uh, noticed just a, a random sentence. Um, she was born uh, in a living room. Okay. And I just thought, you know, that is not surprising for her mm-hmm. age. And also because this is where we talk about privilege, where it is more likely that she would have to be born at home rather than have obvious access to great health care. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just something that I thought about. So when she says things like, this is my grandma, these women were my grandma, my mother, who, who remember she, I get it. I get what she's saying. And um, I don't get it from experience. I don't mean that. Um, but then also what I appreciated is what stood out to me is that they talk about her raising the little girl uh, Mo Mabley. What is her name? Mo- oh, in the movie? I'm not sure. Yeah, the little girl. Okay, uh, yeah. Everybody all know who we're talking about. I think they call her Mo Mabley. Anyway, okay. she they talk about someone says, like, how do you feel about uh, a woman of color raising your baby? But then you get the credit for like having the baby or whatever. And even Emma Stone's character talks about that. Mm-hmm. But I agree with Viola. No one ever addresses it. No one answers mm-hmm. that question. Not a single mother says, you know what? That is messed up. Or no woman goes, yeah, I don't really care. I don't want to do it. Like they just kind of let that statement lie. And I was like, this is a heavy conversation that people should probably have. Like, you know, and people, there are all sorts of ways to raise children. I'm not even raising them yet. But I mean, just the fact that they just completely ignore that conversation stood out to me in a very negative Mm -hmm. way. And it makes me think too, that because a lot of these actresses have worked with Tate Taylor, or even in this comment, Viola says he was a great collaborator on this movie. It makes me think that the script that they got, they weren't allowed Mm -hmm. to change very much because it's based on a book. And then also I feel like the studio might've had a lot of input on the story. Like it makes me think that there could be deleted scenes or a version out there where they did shoot some more of these scenes, but then the studio 
said we need to cut those for time or we want to focus more we want to go more in this direction it seemed like almost that because so many people in this movie worked with the same director again and have talked about him that his vision almost got overshadowed possibly by like studio executives well and i think too um catherine stockett wrote the book Uh um which is phenomenal also catherine we spell catherine the same way which is cool (laughs) she um you know i this is again me speaking as a white person and loving writing. I do think this is a problem, but I think you could go into something like that with the best of intentions. Like you could say, I want to write this story because I care about racial inequality and I want to write a book about the perspective from the maids in the 60s. So she might have written this, but she had no way of knowing mm-hmm. this was going to blow up and be a film, a film that people liked, a film that would like she would never have known all those things that were going to happen. Nor could she, like, I don't know that she could have had the perspective, like, how could she as a white woman have the perspective? Like, she probably doesn't have a black grandmother that was a maid in the 60s. Mm-hmm. So so I'm, I'm just saying, like, it's easy for me to say extend her some grace. But I think that's also realistic. Like, she probably was trying to write a book to expose some problems. And, you know, because of how it all unfolded and became a movie, now we talk about these negative things attributed with the movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so the other actress that has come out and talked about this is Bryce Dallas Howard. This actually just happened in the past few weeks. She was doing an interview with the LA Times and she was asked, would you, would you make the help today? And she said, no. And she said, but what I will say is, this is kind of her quoting a quote, basically, what I've seen is that folks have the courage to say that with all due respect, I love this project. I do not think you could be the filmmaker. That's a really powerful thing to say. Basically, mm-hmm. what she's saying is because she's a white woman, they don't think that her perspective on this story would be the most accurate as terms of directing it and Bryce Dallas Howard has directed a lot of stuff in her career too she just directed that documentary dads that came out on Apple TV plus she did an episode of the Mandalorian on Disney plus she's got some directing credits to her name and she also said that's an important that's a really powerful thing to say that's an important stance to take in order to make room for the true authentic storytellers in this transformation that's happening there's a new freedom of expression I'm seeing from others and feeling from myself that it is less about worrying about offending people and looking within and saying, why, what really am I scared of? And what is that reinforcing? And I think you can directly look at the director we talked about on our last episode, Spike Lee, as being one mm-hmm. of those people that is not does not care what people think about his films, does not, not care what bit. people say, does not care if they're controversial, if they talk about deep topics. I mean, he's always been one to address those issues. So I think that's kind of what yep. her point is, is saying here is that you shouldn't be scared of if your movie's going to make a ton of money, you know, if it's not going to make a ton of money because it's telling a story that's factually accurate or that story has some controversial things in it or topics that may not be easy to discuss, but you should still make that movie and tell that story the way that it was intended to be told pretty much. I definitely think she's right. And I'm, I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of movies that touch on stuff like that, like topics that we really don't like to talk about. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, Uh, I get why people shy away from stuff like that makes anything controversial. Like I, I won't say certain actresses names, but there's certain actresses that have spoken up against either politicians or have spoken in favor of women making choices Mm -hmm. for their bodies and stuff that my family won't even watch certain members of my family won't even watch their movies anymore. Um, I do think that can be extreme, but I also understand that. Um, but I think that's exactly what Bryce Dallas Howard is saying is that, you know, if you take this risk, like you could be very disliked and it could go very badly and end your career. So that's why a lot of people don't do it. But I think she's right that we should really challenge that and, and do things that make stuff uncomfortable. And I think, um, I wanted to say too about the storylines, the, the perspectives, 
I don't think that Emma Stone by any means was the white knight, so to speak, because they talk about that in To Kill a Mockingbird, how Atticus Finch gets the glory. Mm-hmm. But I do think that as far as outcomes of this movie, Emma Stone gets the best outcome. Yeah. Whereas Octavia, she gets away from her husband, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, um, yeah. like gets away from her husband that's abusive. She gets money. That's great. Yep. Abilene gets money, but she also has to like, I guess, retire early gets because fired. she loses yeah. her job. <laughs> And so it's great that the women, that their stories are told, but even the stories have to be anonymous. So like mm-hmm. how much glory is there in that? But I also wanted to say like that, that what I think about this movie ultimately is it's a work of fiction. So it is hard for me to be overly critical about something that wasn't true in the first place or is like based on someone's idea, not like true facts. So I'm kind of like, I'm on the fence about this one because I, as far as entertainment value, this movie's 100 for me. I absolutely love it. But and it's very rewatchable and it brings up some mm-hmm. good good discussion topics. But yeah, I struggle with in the end Emma getting the best skier, yeah. getting the best outcome. And you mentioned about the fictional part and Bryce Dallas Howard po- going back to her for just a second. She posted on uh-huh. Instagram basically a post that showed a lot of movies that were made by African American filmmakers starring African Americans like Selma, like Just Mercy, like Malcolm X with Denzel. Um, and she said, uh-huh. "I've heard that The Help is the most viewed film on Netflix right now. I'm so grateful for the exquisite friendships that came from that film. Our bond is something I treasure deeply and will last a lifetime." That being said, The Help is a fictional story told through the perspective of a white character and was created by predominantly white storytellers we can all go further so basically to your, right. basically to your point it is fictional it's told the perspective of a white woman and white families um about african-american maids so mm-hmm. it's not really told they're they're you know characters in the story but it's not really their it's their story but it's not their story because it's not told from yeah. their perspective of things so yeah. i think i think i would like to call this a great introductory film to kids like that's yeah. yep. I think this is fantastic for families to introduce the subject of racism to children mm-hmm. because it's it's not going to be something as horrifying as 12 years a slave. I do think people need to see stuff like that, but mm-hmm. I think this is a great way to say like, hey, here's the beginning topics like here yep. you go. This and is will- what it was like. And then move on from there. And I'll say that like Just Mercy, which we reviewed, is kind of in the middle. And Selma, mm-hmm. which I know you haven't seen, but I have, is I would also consider kind of in the middle as well um, okay. in terms of it's about Martin Luther King Jr. and the, you know, right. the Selma March, basically. Um, and that one's kind yeah. of it takes some more serious topics as well, but doesn't go as in-depth as, say, 12 Years a Slave, which is a gut-riching movie to watch and really, you know, pulls no punches in its portrayal of what that was like for African-Americans, but also yeah. made by an African-American filmmaker. So that it makes sense there. So um, one other dislike I have for this movie before I give my grade, I've yes. discovered watching this movie that I'm not a huge fan of Anna Camp as an actress. I'm not either. And she was just in, uh, we saw the love her, Birds. the lovebirds. Yeah. She doesn't do it for me, but whatever. She's also nah. in Pitch perfect, but yeah, I don't love her in any of do? those movies. Honestly. Um, yeah. I don't know why, just something about the way she acts or, her delivery of lines or whatever, but I just saw her pop up. I forgot she was in this, but I was just like, I don't really, I haven't really liked oh, her in anything she's been in. I did want to tell you, I'm very proud that I made this connection uh, now. So David, is it Oliello? We're going to have Oello? to work on it. I think it's yeah. Oello. Okay. Let's go with Oello. David okay. Oello that stars in Selma. He's the preacher in The Help. So he was, okay. I should have yes, mentioned him. Yes, he is. Yep. But I knew that I recognized him instantly um, when I saw it, but he was another person that is like, getting like is big time now but yeah at, during this movie like i this would have been the first thing i ever saw him in but it's also the first time i ever saw jessica chastain and i think i think it was the first thing i saw octavia in as okay. well okay 
Nice. Yeah. Also, just FYI, next week on the Selma episode, we will be talking about yes. the song that is in that movie by John Legend and Common. 100%. Absolutely. That won the Oscar for best song, rightfully let's, so. Let's so, talk about it. It's a great song. We'll talk about that more <laughs> next week. Um, so with that, we'll give our grades now for the help. I'm going to go first on this episode, and I think I'm going to rate the help... Uh, 78 out of 100. That's kind of what I'm going for. I like it. I think it is rewatchable, like you said. I think the storytelling perspective of things leaves a little to be desired, especially when you have such great actresses like Viola and Octavia. I would not be mad if the whole movie focused on them, honestly, and Emma Stone Uh was kind of a background character more. Um, I think that would be an interesting perspective to take, and they're both great. Their roles are both great, and they flesh them out so well. Their both Mm -hmm. portrayals are a little different at Abelene is more of the motherly figure and Octavia's character Minnie is more just a friend to Jessica Chastain Um, so the fact that they both have distinct roles I do enjoy that but overall as a whole I think it's good but I think like we've said the directing of it the editing of it the storytelling aspect of it leaves some things to be desired so 78 out of 100 for the help 78 I thought you said 79 originally did I I don't I might have gotten it wrong what are we settling on you just we'll tell settle me. on 78. Okay. Okay. 78. Perfect. And I'm okay. sorry if I got that wrong. I guess we'll hear it That's in the okay. playback, but <laughs> I'm going to give this an 82. I okay. echo your sentiments almost exactly. Um, I also gave Jojo rabbit an 82, um, which I think is fair to look at yeah. it because they're both historical movies. Although one is based more on, well, you know, but they're both historical movies yeah. that are not specifically based on fact. Um, but as far as rewatchability, both are incredibly rewatchable. I love the help. I love what they're trying to do here, but but yeah, I would knock it down points for accuracy, for who's telling the story, the stories that are represented. Um, and I also think, and I want to admit this publicly, I think that what's happening now is shaping my grade. And I think if I had rated this years ago, I would have given it a much higher grade. So just being open and honest there. I think I would have too, honestly. Watching it again now when I know some more stuff um, yep. and I've you know grown a little bit more as a person and have more perspective and viewpoints, I think definitely changes my view on it than when it came out in 2011. Yep. And culture has changed even from 2011 to 2020. Nine years has been a big change in terms of culture and um, race and all kinds of different stuff. So. Yeah. But I would say, like we've said, definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. It is on Netflix. Like we've mentioned, it's a good introductory movie to introduce your movie, your kids to movies about race and that topic mm-hmm. being portrayed in movies um, because it isn't very offensive at all. Um, and it's fairly safe, like some of the critics said, in its portrayal of actual racism and things that happen there. So it is yeah. a good it is a good starter movie for that. Um, so that's a review of The Help. As we've mentioned, next week on the show, we will be reviewing Selma, which I've already seen and is a great movie. I'm going to give it a very high score. It's got a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, so that should tell you that most everybody likes it. Um, And it was nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards, but did not win in 2015. Mm. Um, And it's directed by Ava DuVernay, who has directed a lot of stuff, uh, 13th, A Wrinkle in Time as well. So we will talk about that movie, which also stars Oprah. We forgot to mention that too, but Oprah is in it as well. (laughs) I think I've heard of her. (laughs) When you can just go by your first name, you know that you've you're a big star. She's, 
<laughs> She's a new actor. Maybe you've heard of her. <laughs> yeah, Oprah, just getting on the scene. So that'll be our next episode of the Silver Screen Podcast. And you can find the show lots of different places wherever you're listening now, but also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. Be sure to leave a review and a rating wherever you're listening. That really helps us out. And then you can find the show on social media. The links are in the description below, but on Facebook and Insta- uh, Facebook and Twitter. Sorry, Instagram and Twitter at Podcast Silver. And then Facebook, just search the Silver Screen Podcast. I forgot the username thing there for a second. Um, so our next episode of the Silver Screen Podcast, we will be talking about Selma. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy. 